Matthew chapter 7 tonight in your Bibles, if you have a Bible. And uh, I've entitled tonight's sermon, Testing the Direction and Determination of Your Desires. Now, in Luke chapter 11, verse 11, uh, a parallel passage to this. Let's read Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Would you follow along with me as I read? Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth. Excuse me. And he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? If he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? And therefore all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. But we find in verses 7 through 11 here, God saying, I want you to ask, I want you to seek, and I want you to knock. We've already spoken in several weeks past about asking uh, about the very desire that I want to come to God. And God calls us to. Hebrews tells us, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace. I don't need to timidly come to the, the, the throne of grace. Man, I can run to the throne of grace. I can run to God in prayer. You don't need to come pray through me or any other man. You can go straight to God. Your prayers can enter the ears of God right from wherever you're at. And understanding this, God says, listen, he said, if you who are evil, and talking about all of us, we have sin in our lives. If I know how to give good gifts to my children, how much more does God who is perfect know how to give good gifts to us? And you think about this. God is a perfect, loving father. He cares for us. He disciplines us. But he is a perfect father. And uh, the Bible tells us, as I said there in Hebrews 4, 16, let us, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace. That's Hebrews 4, 16, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And it is so often, and even as I was testifying at the beginning of the service, my daughter kind of, you know, in, in her own way, that God was rebuking me through my daughter and saying, hey, Daddy, we didn't pray before we went to the chapel service. Well, I didn't ask. And uh, Jesus' statements here are a command. They are commands, but they are commands of sincerity and dependence. Daddy, I need you. And Jesus is commanding as a test of your desire for God, for God's leadership over your life, God's assistance in your life. Now the question I want to ask you tonight is, do you truly desire the Lord? Is He the affection of your heart? And as we continue our study here through the Sermon on the Mount, here's a truth you must not only know, but internalize. Here, take this truth down. The devil can't keep God from answering you. The devil can't keep God from answering you in your, in your prayers. If God's going to answer, he's going to answer. The devil can't stop you. He can't do anything. And so the devil can't, ge can't keep God from hearing you. You can keep God from hearing you by living in sin and not wanting to make it right. But the devil can't, make you, can't, can't keep God from hearing you. That telephone line is always open. You always have a cell signal to God. Now I want to ask you tonight, what will keep you from praying both privately and publicly? The church, which is the composition of God's people united together in membership, is to be a house of prayer. A church is to be a place of prayer and worship to God. Personally and corporately seeking God. Tonight I want to talk about the action of seeking, the attention to knocking, and the attitude of providing. May you let the desires of your heart be continually for the Lord Jesus Christ and find the satisfaction you really desire. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this evening. Father, as we come humbly before you, Lord, I don't know where each and every person is tonight and what their week has been like or what they've been going through, the challenges maybe they face, but Father, we do know that we need the refreshment from your word. And so, Father, I pray for that tonight. That God, our hearts would be refreshed, our hearts would be focused upon you. And Lord, we just gain a greater appreciation for what a wonderful Savior you are. 
And so, Father, as I preach your word, help me to do it accurately, precisely, understandably, and we'll thank you for it. I love you. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Verse 7, we see here, Jesus says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. The seeking that Jesus tells us to do is a present uh, condition, and is something I am to continually be doing, seeking for. Now, you see what you seek. One illustration writes, Herschel Hobbes, he said, someone said that a vulture soaring through the air does not see the beautiful landscapes, the brooks, the flowers, the green, and green grass. It sees only the dead rabbit under the bush because that is what it's seeking. It wants to eat the dead rabbit because that's what it's looking for. Now, I want you to look, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, verse 3. What you are seeking... Or what you're desiring is what you'll see. And if I'm not seeking and I'm not desiring to see God, I'm desiring to do it my own way, I'm not going to see God in the situation. Because I'm not seeking for Him. Now, in Luke chapter 15, verse 3, would you follow along with me? <clears throat> Luke 15, 3, Jesus speaking, He spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Now, in this passage of Scripture, the father here, the shepherd, is so concerned with reaching, you find in the immediate context, what you see here is a shepherd concerned with reaching one lost sheep. The context in all of this is our father is concerned with reaching young children with the gospel. Satan is, is so determined to destroy children. Many tragedies and trauma of a person's life occur in their childhood, and it radically changes their life and makes life difficult because they work through all of those troubles from a young child. A shepherd to leave 99 sheep to go look for one is showing how important that one sheep is. He is leaving 99 sheep without the protection to go find one that is already off by itself. I mean, man, that is a, that is a determination to find that sheep. And I want to ask you tonight, if God is so concerned to find that lost sheep, why is my heart not so concerned to get the heart of God? You see, our seeking is to be for those who are lost and need to be saved. Our heart is to be for the heart of God, undeterred, undistracted, and bent on gaining the ear and the heart of God. I ought, it ought to be, you know, my daughter, my daughter is very persistent. And there's times my wife, I'm sitting there talking with my wife and, and my daughter's trying to tell me something and she keeps telling me and she keeps telling me and she keeps telling me and, and, and I, I don't know what it is, maybe it's a dad thing or whatever, but I have this way of just tuning it out and my wife's like, hey, she's trying to get your attention. I'm like, oh, she's like, just tell her yes or whatever, you know, I'm supposed to respond to her because I'm totally ignoring her. I don't even think about it. I just, I don't know what it is. But anyways. And I hear her voice all the time, and, and when, you know, if she comes and taps on me, then I'm like, oh, okay, you know. But, so then I respond to her, but she's persistent. She's seeking my affirmation and seeking some feedback from her daddy. Now, Christ will be found if you seek him. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. Seek, and ye shall find. The condition on finding is seeking, right? I mean, if you seek, then you will find. That is the condition that we find here. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. If you're seeking for Christ, you will find him. I guarantee it. If you're seeking to get the heart and the answer of God, then you seek for God to listen to you, He'll find you. He'll listen to you. 
So in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me, and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 13. Verse 14. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations, from all the places, whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again to the place where I caused you to be carried away captive. He's talking to Israel. But nevertheless, the, the fact is, if you're seeking him, you'll find him. You know what? It is our pride that keeps us from seeking. In Psalm chapter 10, Psalm 10, verses 4 and 5, the wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. His ways are always grievous. Thy judgments are far above out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he puffeth at them. The wicked through the prize of his countenance will not seek after God. He doesn't want him. You know what? There was a time where God would tell Jeremiah, stop praying for Israel. Judgment's coming. Stop praying for him. Their hearts are so hardened, they don't want me. Stop praying for Israel because they don't want God. But the fact is, if you're seeking for God, you will get his ear. He's not some unknown deity way up up in the ether with which you're trying to hopefully, maybe, possibly, could be, reach his ear. That's not our God. The seeking, he says, ye shall find. It's a future indicative, meaning he says, listen, if you're seeking, you'll find it. If you lose something of value, say you lose your car keys, you're not going to find your car keys if you don't look for them. Now, you might find them in a long time down the road, in a place you never thought they'd be, just happenstance as you're looking for something else. But the, the issue is, are we seeking Seek and ye shall find this illustration written for you. Some men remind me of a poor immigrant who was discovered walking on the tracks of a railroad in New Jersey. On his back, he carried a huge bulk, and as he trudged on, worn and weary, he resembled Bunyan's pilgrim with his burden. In passing a station, an agent ordered him off the track, reminding him that he was liable to arrest for trespassing. The man reluctantly produced a railroad ticket good for the passage from New Jersey City to Scranton, Pennsylvania. And the agent looked at him in amazement and asked why he was walking on the, the railroad tracks when he could ride. The stranger replied that he thought the ticket gave him only the privilege of walking over the road. His right was explained to him, and the tired man with delight boarded the first train for his destination. Surely the angels must look with wonderment at the thousands who trudge along anxious and careworn, bearing life's burdens without divine help and future hope. For every soul carries in the conscience the ticket of divine promise. You know, in Job twenty-two twenty-one, 21, it writes here for us, read this for you, Job twenty-two twenty-one. Isn't that amazing? I mean, here is a guy, he has a ticket to get on a train, and he thinks the ticket only is going to get him to walk on the tracks. What a horrible ticket, if that's all it is. It says, verse 21 of Job 22, Acquaint now thyself with him, and be at peace. Therefore good shall come unto thee. You know, there's a guarantee of everyone finding God, finding it, seek, and ye shall find, if you're seeking. If your desire is for God, he will be found. If your desire is for the God, the presence and the peace of God, it'll be found. Satan is like a roaring lion, constantly roaming about to keep you from seeking, to get you distracted, to keep you in all the ways with which you might seek God. He wants to make everything so comfortable and, and put everything in your life so you stop seeking God and you just start looking for something else. He, if he can get you so content with looking for other things, then you'll never seek. You realize this in Job 2.2, 2, Satan was going from up and down and all throughout the earth. You know, we're often caught up with seeking the wrong things. But I'm going to ask you in your prayer time, are you seeking the presence of God? And I just want to spend time chatting with him. There's nothing like a good friend. 
I was talking with Chris this morning. I had one of my very good friends. He was my best friend when I was back in university. And he and I would get on the phone and we'd talk for two and three hours. I mean, I, I would talk about the Lord. We'd talk about life. We'd talk about all sorts of different things. We would talk about it. And I, I just loved, I mean, at first I was like, oh, I don't want to chat with him. But man, we just started talking, got a relationship. We started talking on the phone. We'd hang out. We went skiing. We did all sorts of things together. We'd cook together. We had fun. But I spent time just chatting. Seeking. I'm going to look at several things on seeking tonight, and we'll look at knocking as well, Lord willing, time permitting. But the first thing that we find that seeking does is it produces intimacy. It produces a close relationship. Prayer is a major, right, one illustration, prayer is a major part of spiritual warfare in the battle for truth and righteousness in this present world. Paul mentioned prayer prominently in his description of the whole armor of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You see, the devil does everything he can to stop or hinder effectual prayer. He tries to make the saint think that his prayers won't change anything. That it doesn't matter whether or not he prays or how much he prays. He tries to focus the saint's attention on his sin and failings and cause him to become too discouraged to pray. End quotes. I want you to look with me at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Isn't that true? Sometimes in, in your discouragement, and man, life's just getting really tough. Life's getting very difficult. And, and you're just like, I, 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 don't, I can't even pray. I can't even come to God. I can't even come. But you know what? And you step back from your emotions. You step back from where you're at and all the hurt. And you say, hey, the solution is Jesus. The solution I need to get to God. The very thing I need, my emotions want to keep me from that. What would want to keep me from God? That would be Satan. That would be my own wicked heart. But I've got to get to the solution. Hey, if you're feeling sick and you're throwing up and there's all sorts of problems with your body, maybe you can't stand up, you need to get to the hospital. You need to seek for some medical attention. You need to seek for some spiritual attention. And the fact is, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God can't be an option. He can't be an accessory. He is the one you need. I want you to look at me with another passage of Scripture, Psalm 27, verse 4. We're going to look at a whole bunch of Scriptures tonight, but... Uh, he says diligently. Man, when you think diligent, if I told you that in one of the restaurants in town, I was to put a winning ticket, and whoever could find this particular ticket would win a million dollars. Do you think you would look at the restaurants in town? I think you would. I think you would turn high and low in every crevice of every restaurant that you could get access to to look for that winning ticket. I think, you know, you'd be like, hey, or if there's something else, if there was something you really wanted, let's say there's, a, I don't know, a, 50, a 20, 25-foot boat or something else, a brand-new 25-foot yacht or cruiser or pontoon boat or tritune or whatever, right? If you had, if I was to say this location is where it's at, you're like, man, I'm going to go seek for it. Because there's, an intent, there's a desire there. The direction of your desires determines what you're going to seek. In Psalm 27, verse 4, the Bible tells us, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in His temple. I want the presence of God. I don't know if you've ever had, all of us have had hard days. Places where you're broken, absolutely broken. And you don't know how you can carry on. And the thing you need, you just say, God, I don't know what to do. And you get in the Word of God, maybe you just start reading Psalms. And you start getting in there and you're just pouring your heart out. Lord, 
I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I mean, you're just transparent. You're not holding anything back. You're not trying to put on any front of being some great Christian. You're just coming to God in all your brokenness, and you're saying, God, I just need, I need you. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. I want the presence of God. And when you spend that time, ben, I've, I've had times in my life I've had to just get alone with God. Many times. Every morning I do, but special times and more attention to it. I get alone with God and I'm like, ah, God, I, I'm ready to give up. I don't know what to do. And I get into my Bible and I begin to pray and I'm just, sometimes I'm mad at God. You're a pastor. Yeah, I know, but I get mad at God sometimes. And God has to work on my heart. And I just keep spending time, and all of a sudden, man, like just the, the peace of God. You realize this in 1 Chronicles 28, 9, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind, for the Lord searcheth all the hearts. Listen, God is evaluating the condition of your heart. If you draw close to him, Psalm 3, 1 through 4 when David fled from Absalom, his son, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him of God, Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up my head. I cried, excuse me, I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. God says, I'm going to hear you. Do you realize 2 Chronicles 33, 11, Turn with me here. This is an unbelievable, unbelievable account in the Word of God. 2 Chronicles 33, verse 11. The most wicked king, King Manasseh, 55 years he ruled. King of Judah. I mean, you think about it, he was just evil, evil man, 55 years. And then God brings some great tribulation, great troubles and struggles upon Manasseh's life. Second Chronicles 33, 11, we pick up from that context. Wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. He realized how powerless he was. Verse 12, and when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his father and prayed unto him and he was entreated of him and heard his supplications and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh, what? Knew that the Lord, he was God. Manasseh was wicked. I mean, he would sacrifice his kids upon the fire. Uh, he, I mean, he just brought all sorts of idolatry and wickedness he was an evil, evil ruler. God finally says, enough. Manasseh, I'm going to put you into captivity. I'm going to let a warring nation come. They're going to make kidnap you. They're going to put you in chains. You're going to be miserable. And Manasseh does what every one of us ought to do. He humbled himself. And he got right with God. And then he knew God was God. He knew God was who he said he was. You see, that's the position. Many times the troubles of our life ought to bring us closer to God, not further from God. When you're having hard times in life, skipping church and skipping reading your Bible and skipping prayer is not the position you need to go. It's not going to help. The second thing we find about seeking is that it produces a freedom from sin. Psalm 69, 32, the Bible tells us, the humble shall see this and be glad, and your heart shall live that seek God. If you're seeking God, you'll find true life. You're like, well, pastor, I'm breathing. My heart is ticking. Yes, yes, yes. I'm not talking about just your body, but I'm saying you are being all that you were made and created to be when you're seeking God. Seek and you'll find. You realize this, that King Rehoboam, he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. The context is 2 Chronicles 12, 13 and 14. Are you seeking the Lord? Seek him in your prayers. I want you to turn with me 
Uh, and, and in your seeking, uh, turn with me to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, verse 5. Romans chapter 2, verse 5. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. He says, listen, if you're seeking to live life your own way, there's going to come a judgment day. There's going to be also a pain from the consequences of the sins of your life. There will render to every man according to his deeds. What you sow, if I'm sowing to my flesh and I'm sowing all for me and I'm sowing to not seek God and be distracted by the world, I'm going to reap a harvest. If I'm planting all of this stuff for myself, I'm going to reap a whole bunch. I'm going to reap a crop of selfishness that is going to hurt me. So you're seeking of God in prayer, but then, in verse 7, by patient continuance. You know what? The Christian life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Foot, one foot in front of the other throughout the entire race of life until you cross the finish line. Patient continuance in well-doing. Seek for glory. Listen, you can run that race Look with me at verse 9. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also the Gentile. It doesn't matter. But verse 10, but glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also the Gentile. You can have peace within your heart, though there's, bad, though there's still troubles going on in your life. Tribulation and anguish upon the soul of man that doeth evil. If I'm not seeking God, I'm seeking for myself to do it my way. The Bible is saying tribulation and anguish. Life gets a whole lot harder. Life's already hard, but it's going to get harder away from God. Another thing that seeking does, look with me at Isaiah 55, 6. I've got to hasten here. But Isaiah chapter 55 Seeking produces holiness. Isaiah 55, verse 6. Isaiah 55, 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. You might say, Pastor, I've messed up too much. That's a lie. That's not true. That's not what God's word says. Isaiah 55, verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. But you return unto the Lord and he'll have mercy upon you. If you've messed up, maybe you've made some bad decisions, God says, listen, return, repent, get back to God. God, I messed up. Now how do I fix it? The Bible, the word of God will tell you how to fix it. Another thing that seeking does is it yields wisdom. Psalm 119, verse 10, With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. The psalmist is saying, listen, God, if I'm seeking you, I'm finding wisdom. Seek, and you'll find. How do I live life? Who do I marry? What job should I have? We were just talking about that in prayer time today. And asking God to seek him. In Proverbs chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. If you're seeking God's wisdom, like a person would seek for riches and silver and gold, 
much like we have here right in the mining process. They spend lots of money seeking for uh, greater mineral deposits to help in their financial endeavors, right? They're finding it. They're seeking. But you want to know what else something seeking does? Seeking produces joy. In Psalm 34, 4 and 5, I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked into Him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. Psalms chapter, Psalm 74, Let all those that seek Thee rejoice and be glad in Thee and let such as love Thy salvation say continue. Let God be magnified. You, maybe in your life you've had some people that have really hurt you. You've had people in your life, they've let you down. They've stabbed you in the back. They've done things that have just been unspeakable. But I want you to understand, and one of the difficulties so many times is we equate God like the people who've hurt us, but that is not true at all. I can trust Him, and when I can trust Him, and I can come to Him in openness, and I can seek for Him, it produces the very joy of what I'm seeking. Seeking also produces a strength for life. Glory, Psalm 105, 3 and 4. Glory in His holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His face forevermore. Amos 5, 4. For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek ye me and ye shall live. Seek and you'll find. You said, but it's just not worth it to seek God. Oh my, oh my it is. You can live, joy, strength, holiness, wisdom. What, what more do we want? He's the very source, the Creator who made all of this. And He doesn't say, oh, you've already messed up. Let's give them the boot. Let's get them out of here. Ah, they're like, you know, God doesn't treat us like the world does. Sometimes we mess up with someone, we make a mistake, and they're like, what a loser, get out of my sight. God's not doing that. He says, seek me, and if you seek me, you'll find me. He, Manasseh humbled himself, and he knew that he was God. He realized, hey, there is a, God actually cares about me. God listens to me. Oh my, I've really royally messed up. Want to know something else it says here? Ask, shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. When you're knocking on a door... More often than not, you're knocking on the door of someone you know. Someone whose attention you're seeking. I'd like you to look with me at Luke chapter 18. Luke 18. Luke 18. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Luke chapter 18, verse 1. And we'll read through eight, verse 8. My daughter, she sometimes will be like, Daddy, 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 you know, and she just keeps going. She wants my attention, man. She's just knocking. She's just going at her. I mean, she wants my attention. She's, maybe she's drawn a flower. She's done something. She wants my attention. She'll sometimes come and tap on me, and if I'm doing something else, I know I get distracted, and my wife's like, hey. And I'm like, yes, yes, you're right. You're right. And, uh, but she's coming to get my attention. Luke 18, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man, and there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me. This widow's like, judge, hey, he's bothering me. Judge, he's bothering me every day. Man, this widow was there every day bothering this judge. He says, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continually coming she weary me. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Is it important to you that you are knocking on God's door? You're knocking on the heart of God. I want 
his attention. He tells us he'll listen, but if I'm knocking, knock and it shall be opened unto you. If you're in need, and maybe you get in the mail from the CRA saying, we realize on your taxes there was a mistake and you now owe $15,000. You know the first thing I'm going to do if I get that mail? First of all, I'm like, ah, you know, probably I shouldn't, but I, I probably would, you know, and I'm like, ah, Lord's got to work on me, you know. But the second thing is I'm going to find out whatever phone number on there and I'm going to call it and be like, hey, what's going on here? Hey, I'm going to call my accountant. I'm going to try to fix that problem. That, that's a big debt. If you owed 15000 I'm just giving an illustration, but I'm going to keep reaching out. I'm going to keep calling until that problem is resolved. And, you know, if you got that, you'd be like, hey, I'm going to find the solution to this. And I should also, in the very same instance as I get that, I said, Lord, the, right, the proper response that we ought to do and, all the way, and what the Bible wants us to do is I need to say, God, here's a problem. I need your help. God, here's a bill I can't pay. Lord, if there's a mistake, would you help make it clear? If I have to pay it, would you help me pay it? That's the proper response. I'm knocking on that door. But our, our human nature is to, ah, you know. But when I'm knocking, I'm serious. Second, one of the things that knocking does is it shows us our attention on eternity. In Luke chapter 12, if you find yourself there in Luke, turn with me to Luke chapter 12, verse 34. Luke chapter 12, verse 34, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Luke 12, 35, Let your loins be girded about, and your lights burning, and ye yourselves liken to men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. And the implication here is, hey, Jesus is coming back, and he knocks, when he, Jesus said, hey, it's time to go, you're like, woohoo, I'm out of here. I'm going into the wedding feast. I'm going, I'm ready to go. When Jesus is knocking, I'm ready. You know, when, we, when you're knocking, you know, like the Jews are ready for the Passover angel. I mean, they said, keep your shoes on and get ready because you're leaving Egypt tonight. You know what? When, I, when I'm knocking, the Bible, Jesus says, I promise you, I will open. In Acts chapter 12, the Peter, the, uh, Peter was put in prison and the angel wakes him up. He releases his chains, he, he walks over the guards, he gets out of prison, he goes to the door, he knocks on the door, he continues to knock on the door, the girl opens the, the, you know, she opens the door, she sees Peter, she closes, slams the door in his face, she goes back and said, oh, it's Peter's angel, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and they say it is his angel, and, she's, and they're like, lady, you're mad, they think this young girl, she's, you know, Rhoda, she's some crazy girl, she said, no, he's there, Peter continues to knock, they finally open and they're like, our prayers are answered. Peter got free from jail. He's alive. His, his knocking showed he was fervent. Hey, I'm here. I'm alive. They didn't get me. God freed me. Realize in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Look with me here, Revelation 3, 20. <clears throat> It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. The context here is the church of Laodicea is a church that has people who, I mean, God and Christ, I mean, they had all the programs, they had all the good stuff, they had the wealth. I mean, they had a lot of stuff going on in this church, but they didn't have Jesus in the church. And Jesus is like, hey, get me back into the church. Let's make it about me, not about all your programs and all the, all the other trappings of what will make you feel good. Let's get me back as the head of the church. He says, I'm knocking, let me in. When I'm knocking with the Lord, I'm knocking and shall be open unto you. I want God to hear my prayers. And you know what? There might be someone in your life that you've been praying for. They're, they're lost, they're not saved, or they're going a wrong direction. And you pray today, and you pray tomorrow, and you pray the next day, and you keep praying. Don't, and as I read there earlier, God to see if he'll find faith on the earth. Keep 
knocking on that door. God, please get a hold. You're supplicating. You're praying for someone that God will get a hold of their heart, that they will turn their attention from the bad direction they're going to the direction God wants them to go. The direction God wants them to go is to be all that God created them to be, to have the peace and the joy of the Lord, to have to, to find fulfillment in life. My friend, God's way is the best way. Keep knocking for those people. And even if they're like, get lost, keep praying. And you want to know something that's exciting in this passage of Scripture? In Matthew chapter 7, verses 8 through 11. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh shall be opened. This isn't some magical prayer. You know, sometimes people like, pray this prayer and it'll make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. Pray this prayer and you'll have money tomorrow. God's not going to give you some selfish demands. I see it on Facebook way too often. People put this prayer, you know, if you pray this prayer, blah, 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 good luck will come your way. Well, first of all, we don't need good luck because the God has everything in his divine order. But the, ask, the question to ask yourself in coming to God in prayer, is he really the answer to your problems? Well, if I'm asking, he's the desire of my heart. If I'm seeking, he is the direction of my desires. And number three, if I'm knocking, he's the, he's the, di, you know, he's the determination of my desires. I mean, he is the very one I want. So I'm not just coming to pray some casual prayer up to some unknown person in the sky. I'm coming to the one I know is the, the solution to my problem. Dad, do you give to your child opposite of what they ask for? Do you seek to give your child something harmful or even deadly? I mean, I wouldn't. If my daughter was asking to play with, uh, uh, she said, you know, one time we, when my wife was out at the ladies retreat last year, I went to Canadian Tire and she and I bought a Nerf gun. We both had Nerf gun war inside the house. It was fun. Now, instead of a Nerf gun war, what if I gave her a BB gun and now we we're shooting at each other? Uh, that would be foolish. It would be stupid. Just plain stupid. And she would be taken from me because I've endangered my daughter. God's not going to give me the very thing that's evil, the very thing that's going to destroy me. Why would we ever surmise that God would want to do something that would be destructive to me? The God you are to be asking, seeking and knocking, knows what you need. He is a loving Father. He is the epitome and He is the foundation of your needs, your satisfaction, your contentment. He delights, as the Bible tells us, in giving good gifts to His children. Now the thing you need to settle in your mind is, are you God's child? When I'm asking and I'm seeking and I'm knocking, I am saying, I'm dependent upon you. What do I mean by dependent? I'm saying like when our daughter was born as an infant or any mother who has a child, when that child is first born, that mother has to feed, clean, bathe, do everything for that child. That child is completely dependent upon you for their very sustenance, their very life. And I'm saying, God, I'm dependent upon you for all of my life. I'm going to ask, I'm going to seek, and I'm going to knock. And as Jesus is talking to his disciples, which really the Sermon on the Mount is a message to believe, to, for believers of how to live a Christian life and how to be successful. One of the problems, dependence on God, forgetting someone, there's a story in Daniel chapter 4, verse 30, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, in conclusion, the king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? Nebuchadnezzar comes to the kingdom. He says, Look at what I've built. Man, I am a wonderful man. I am a, I am a great king. As you think on this very truth, Nebuchadnezzar forgot who he needed. Do you realize this? The percentage of senior corporate executives with a very high net worth, defined as having a net worth more than a million dollars, not including their residents, 
They credit their financial status to these top things. Number one, hard work. Number two, intelligence and good sense. 99% would say hard work, 97% would say intelligence, 83% uh, would say higher than an average IQ, 62% would be in the best in every situation, and 32% would say luck. But you know one thing they didn't ever credit in any of those situations? They didn't credit God. Friend, prayer is not a good luck charm, nor a superstitious means of convincing and deceiving God to do your wishes. It is not about the degree of faith or do you have enough faith, but do you depend upon God? Is he truly the solution to your problem, your need, your request, and your life? Here's an easy acronym for faith, for getting, forsaking all, I trust him. The message of the Lord Jesus Christ and his commands to his disciples here, ask, that's your desire. Seek the direction of your desires. Knock a determination in your desire to knock. Is God the one you're looking for? Or are there other options? You're not just throwing up a prayer to God hoping or some random chance like a lot, like a slot machine, you're going to pull the handle and ding, 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 ding. That's not prayer. That is an insult to God. I want to spend time with him. I need his help to help me be the Christian, the husband, the father, the citizen, the pastor, the church member that I, that I need to be. And so do you. Ask, seek, and knock. And he gives us conditions, and then he also gives us the promise. Ask, it shall be given to you. Seek, you'll find. Knock, it shall be opened. I'm not saying you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, but I am saying you will get the, the ear of God, the heart of God, as you come to seek. And it'll change you. Final illustration, I'm done. Look then, ye cold, ye careless ones. Look ye on this, ye are not clear. Ye have helped to spoil the church. Next time ye go abroad to find fault, remember that you share in the cause of that fault. Next time you mourn the church's prayerlessness, remember that it is your own prayerlessness that helps to make up the bulk of the church's lack. Next time you complain of any minister's dullness or any church's want of energy, oh, reflect. It is your own dullness, your own want of energy that helps to swell the rolling tide. If every man mended one, all would be mended. If every man had but one soul stirred and that soul his own, the whole church would be stirred up. If it were possible for every member of the church to be sound, how could any part of the body be sick? If every individual were what he should be, lo, could there be any complaints? We had grown into to the habit of praying for the church as if she were a colossal culprit, which we should tie up and then take the ten-thonged whip of the law and pull off thongful after thongful of the quivering flesh while all the while the real culprit is escaping, namely ourselves, our own individual selves. I do feel more and more the necessity of looking at the souls of men in the light of my own responsibility to them. End quotes. Charles Spurgeon. He says, pray. And Christian, the truth is, testing the direction and determination of your desires. Are you seeking are you knocking? And with that, I come to the invitation this evening. If I can have Mrs. Pat come forward. Maybe some of the joy, or maybe the lack of joy in your life is you're not seeking God. Maybe the wisdom. Maybe you're thinking, I, I'm so confused in life, I don't know what to do. Are you seeking? Are you knocking to get the attention of God? Are you listening? If someone's knocking on your door, are you listening to even let them in? You know, sometimes in our seeking, you can get distracted. It's kind of like a, 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 you know, a, a game dog, a dog that's like a bird dog, right? And the dog goes to see the bird, and while it's going to chase and get the bird that the hunter shot, it sees a rabbit, chases the rabbit, it sees, and then after it's chasing the rabbit, it sees the fox to chase the fox, and you keep getting distracted, and it never got the bird. I think many of us can get like that. We need to, to settle in the discipline of mind and work on it. Say, God, please help me to be disciplined that I can seek, seek you. Lord, that I would knock 
And Lord, I'll keep knocking for the hearts of men that they would come to know Jesus Christ. Knocking for the hearts of your lost family members that need to know Jesus. They're ruining their lives. They need Jesus. And keep knocking. Keep praying. Keep on your knees. And we'll see what God will do. Tonight, as the music plays, I trust, and I just want to, first question I want to ask you is, do you know, has there ever come a time in your life where you have personally accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior with all heads bowed and eyes closed? Is there ever a time in your life you said, Pastor, I don't know if, I've, if I were to die, where I'm going to spend eternity. I think I'm pretty good. I think I'll go to heaven, but I'm not sure. Well, I'd like you, the Bible tells us we can know for sure that we are on our way to heaven, that we are God's child. We can know for sure these things I have written to you that you might know that you have eternal life. 1 John 5, 13 talks about you can know. And if you've never done that, my friend, I'd be happy to pray with you at the end of the service and show you from the Bible how you can know for sure that Jesus is your Savior. You're His child. You can be forgiven. It doesn't matter what you've done. Don't take what man tells you and how bad you've done. Take what God says. He says all sins were forgiven at the cross. You can be forgiven, my friend, if you'll call out to Him. And Christian, are you seeking? Are you knocking? Are you knocking for the heart of God to to get a hold of your lost family members? Are you seeking for God to find the heart of God, to find the heart of those people that don't know Christ? Are you seeking to be all that God's called you to be? Are you asking Him? Are you seeking? And my friend tonight, I trust you do business with God. Maybe as I was preaching tonight and you'd say, Pastor, I know I'm saved. I, I can give you a Bible reason. I know I'm a Christian, but God was working on my heart tonight and I'd like you to pray for me. Would you just slip up your hand real quick? I won't say out your name or anything else, but I would definitely pray for you. Anyone like that tonight, just put it up real quick and put it back down. Anyone, thank you so much. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Thank you. Thank you very much. Anyone else tonight? Just a moment longer as the music will come to a close. This is a time to just talk with God. May we seek for Him. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for this evening. Father, I want to thank You for the examples of Scripture. Thank You for the raised hands. Lord, I pray for these dear people. Uh, Lord, in their lives, whatever it may be, Whatever you spoke to them about tonight, Father, I pray that you would help them. Help them to find answers. Help them to find. Lord, just the peace and the comfort of the Savior. Lord, I pray that for each and every person here. Lord, we put aside our own pride when God is not in all our thoughts and we begin to put God back in our thoughts. As I even given the illustration of that debt of a CRA or something like that. Rather than worrying, we would just bring that to the Lord and say, God, it's yours. I need your help. You help me. Lord, may we be believers that don't only talk about what the Bible says, that don't only say we know what the Bible says, but we live what the Bible says. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone tonight that is not saved, they're not certain of their eternal destiny, that tonight they'd settle that. Father, I yield tonight to Thee. I love You. Thank you for being a gracious father. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless.